Fantastic. I wish my ukulele would do that. Is there, who has a ukulele in the closet somewhere? Three or four. Does yours play like that? Mine does not. Mine does not. Thanks, Mo. Fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. Isn't that the truth? Um, what we say about kids is that they pick up not just what we say, but who we are and what we do. Your fathers will... Uh, fathers, be good to your daughters. Mothers, be good to your daughters. They will love like you do. Today, we're in the middle of our series here called Immortal, and we're going through 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church, a pretty young church. Our church is about nine years old, and it actually was probably younger than that, and he's sending them a letter specifically, and he's talking today about this fact that if we are going to live forever, because that's really the premise of the book, that when you come to believe in Jesus, when you receive Christ in your life, he gives you eternal life. He says, I forgive your sin, I put my spirit in you, and you have eternal life. And the question that we've been asking is, how would you live if you really believed when you woke up today that you had eternal life? If you really lived like, I want to live forever, so what would that do? And we said, man, the first week... God would call you to just tremendous impact. If you knew you are going to live forever, then this short period of time here on earth, in fact, that's what Peter says. Peter says, man, live in reverence of God during your short stay here on earth. Do you think about your life as a short stay here on earth? See, if you have this perspective that the apostles had, that, that we are going to live forever in Christ, and if you did, your life would have great impact. And then last week we talked about the fact that not only would your life have great impact, but you would have great authenticity about the gospel. You would be very clear about your purpose and what you're doing. How many of you worked last Saturday? That wasn't yesterday, was it? No, last Saturday. Last Saturday, 10 days ago in South Salt Lake. How many of you guys helped us out? Thank you so much. Hey, listen, when you got there, if we had said, hey, we're not really too excited to get started. We're gonna talk here for a little bit. Lad's gonna preach a little bit. And you know, we'll eventually, what would you be doing? you'd all be looking at your watches. There's work to be done. You'd be saying, right? We got all these projects and I'm only working till noon, right? You signed up to work from eight until noon. And so if you actually believe that you have another day, if you have an eternal life, if you have the rest of the day and this is your time to kill it, to really dive in and serve, guess what? You would live with great impact and great authenticity here. Today we're continuing into chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. And Paul, he just says exactly what that song just said. He says, we lived among you kind of like a dad and kind of like a mom. Giving of ourselves to you so that you might know how to love like we do. We want you to be people who are inspired to inspire others. And so today we're saying that if... If you really believe this, if you really have eternal life, then you'll live a life that inspires others to inspire others, okay? And that's exactly what Paul says. Um, this letter was, uh, was written to a church. And if you like to kind of figure out how things put together, you know the book of Acts? How many of you have ever read through the New Testament and you've read the book of Acts? How many of you have done that? Okay, if you haven't, it's pretty interesting. And, and actually what Acts is, Acts is kind of a history of the first 20 years or so of the church after Christ ascends to heaven. And it's, and it's really how the early church gets started and planted through Paul. And so in Acts chapter 17, write this down if you want. 
put this in your Bible or on your notes. Um, uh, you, can, you can check out uh, the scriptures will be on the screen or they'll be here in, in your Bible or on your phone, on uh, one of your version apps. Um, in Acts chapter 17, it really gives the, the historical account of how Paul and Silas and Timothy got this church started. And here's exactly what it says. It says, uh, Paul is speaking to them at this point says that he went into the city, he went right into the synagogues, the Jewish synagogues, and he started talking about Jesus, how he was the Messiah. He says, this Jesus that I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. And so this church really had an amazing start right? So they had some of the people who were Jewish religious people who had previously worshiped God before the Messiah came, and they came to know that Jesus was the Messiah, and so they became Christians, right? And, and then Greeks who, who weren't God-fearers at all, or they, they weren't, excuse me, they weren't, uh, they didn't grow up in the system of Judaism. They grew up fearing God, and they said, man, this is the Messiah. We want to believe in him. They heard the gospel. They believed. And a number of prominent women in the city. I love that. This church was full of strong, prominent women from the city, right? They either in business or in politics. They were a strong church, right? And so Paul is writing back to them from Silas and Paul and Timothy, and he's encouraging them to take the faith that started when he was there in Acts chapter 17 and to continue it, to live like you're never going to die, to pour it out now because now is the time to live. I was listening to this song this week. Do you guys ever listen to John Foreman to Switchfoot? Do you guys ever listen to that? If you don't listen to Christian music, um, there's tons of stuff that's, I don't know, poppy, I don't really care for. Um, Switchfoot, um, John Foreman is a, just a great great lyricist. He writes good, solid theological lyrics. A band called Switchfoot. Anyways, so um, he has a song called uh, The Mess of Me. He says, I've made a mess. I've got to get back to less of me. I've made a mess of my life. I've got to get back to less of me. I want to spend the rest of my life alive. And I want to encourage you that as as we're going, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, and live the rest of your life fully engaged. Be inspired to fully be used by God for his kingdom. All right, I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to pray and we're going to jump in. This is in chapter 2 of Thessalonians. We were not looking for any praise from people, not from you or for anyone else. This is in verse 6. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were gentle among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked day and night in order not to burden anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You are our witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know what we dealt with, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So God, we come before you and uh, we are your people here. Uh, Some of us are here for the first time. Some of us are, are here for, we can't even count how many times we've been here. We are here to hear from you. 
God, we don't just come out of routine. We don't just come to please someone else. We don't just come for some outward appearance. We come, God, because we want to hear from you. So God, we're going to speak your word here. And it's my prayer that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. That you would take your word and that you would move it to our hearts and to our minds in a way that we can understand and that we can take steps to walk with you more and more. God, that's our desire that each person would take one step closer today to this life that, that we're talking about, this life of full engagement with you and your kingdom. God, thank you. Speak this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that Paul jumps right into is he says this. He says, um, when, when you are going to live like you're never going to die, uh, and Paul was doing that, first of all, Paul inspired them to live a life beyond his own praise. He inspired them to live a life beyond his own praise. It's what he jumps right into. He says this. He says, we were not looking for praise from any people, not from you nor from anyone else. Um, though, he says, and he was an apostle, he was a sent one specifically by Christ Jesus. He was a sent one, and he said, even though as apostles, we could have asserted our authority, right? He says, we didn't come and make much to do about ourselves. We didn't do anything like that. We didn't come for our own praise. We came for you that you might know the gospel and you might know the love of God. And, and he just says from the start, if you're going to live like you're never going to die, if you're going to live in that kind of space where you know that God has your back and you can be fully engaged with him, you don't have to live for your own praise. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't it a great thing to not have to live for your own praise? We all, we all struggle with living for our own praise, right? We all want to look as good as we can. We all want to have as much accomplishment as we can, even if it's just our own praise of ourselves, right? It is difficult not to live for our own praise. And Paul says, listen, when we came, we came and it wasn't about us. In fact, if you read back in Acts 18, it was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a rodeo. They came into town and there was a, man, these people were against them and they, they totally brought a mob against them and tried to arrest them. They ended up arresting a guy named Jason that they were staying with and, and there, it was a bit of a rodeo. And so he just says, we boldly walked in, but it wasn't about us. And we'll get into that even more. He'll prove it out. But he says, if you're going to live for God like that, you can't live for your own praise. Um, I was, uh, in 2007, I spent 10 months serving at a church, kind of in between some time in Africa. I spent 10 months preaching at a church. They had a, they had a need for somebody to lead for a short period of time, and I did that. And... How many of you know that when you, when you, uh, when you hear something, well, are anybody, anybody parents here? Anybody parents? Okay. So you can say something a bunch and then the coach says something and your kid's like, oh man, that's awesome. And you're like, I've been saying that for weeks, right? And so how many of you know that just when somebody says something a little bit differently, sometimes you hear it, Right. They say the exact same thing that you've been hearing, but you hear it in a different light and you can hear it. Well, I think that's a little bit of what my time at this church was like. I was just a different voice for a short period of time. And God did great things that year. And, and it was a smaller church and we had lots of people at this, this annual picnic getting baptized. And we were excited about it. We had baptisms here at K2 yesterday. And it's so fun to see people take this step here to say, I, go, I know Christ now. 
He's in me. I have the comfort of salvation. I, he's speaking to me and I know that I'm going to walk with him for the rest of my life. And people commit themselves to that and they get identified with that. And that's what baptism is. And that happened here just yesterday. And, and uh, so anyways, we had these baptisms and, and I, I was the pastor there for this 10 months. And it was just a fantastic celebration. It was a group about this size. And what we had is we had uh, the group was on the shore of the lake and people were getting baptized, lots of people, multiple people at a time. And there was a um, worship band was playing. It was just a cool thing. And people took some pictures. And this woman brought in a picture that was just perfect. And instantly we all knew we have to celebrate this moment and blow this picture up and keep it there at the church. And I looked at the picture and there was only one problem. I wasn't in it. I was just, uh, I was just cropped out to the right. And you know what I, it's my favorite, it's one of my favorite pictures. It's in my office right now. Do you know why? Because I instantly had this gift from God where I knew, oh lad, you made this about you. Like you got, you got pride wrapped up in this. You've got ego thinking that you did something. And it was so, it was such a, just perfectly wrapped present from God for me because here I was thrilled about this and thrilled about that to stay for there but in my heart I thought well man I ought to be in that picture right that's messed up but you know what it's the same kind of messed up that you have right and what Paul says is he's like it's not about us he was free from living for his own pride and you know when somebody's when you're that free from living about your own pride what he can do is he can go on and he can say the rest of what he says here. Because he says, we poured it out, but it wasn't about us. It's about the work that God is doing in your life. Okay, so the first thing is this. That when you're free like that, you're free to live a life and you're inspired to live a life beyond your own praise. Let's not be the kind of people who, have you ever been to a wedding where um, people are giving toasts? And there's a, usually there's that one toast where somebody's actually toasting themselves more than they're toasting the couple. You know what I mean? Let's not be that way in our relationship with God. Really. Let's not be people that really, every time we tell a story, we're toasting ourselves about what God's doing in their life. Let's be people that really, really spend ourselves for each other. Because that's what Paul says. He says, we came and we spent ourselves on your behalf. And it wasn't about us. He was free to say that. So uh, the second thing he says is that really that this kind of life, you're inspired to live in joyful sacrifice, right? And again, this isn't a new concept, but Paul just brings it up over and over. He says, if you want to live this way, live joyfully in sacrifice. And he uses a couple of images. And uh, the first one is that of a mom. And so he... Uh, he starts in verse 7. Instead, uh, we were gentle among you. And your, your verse might say, um, young, we were like young children among you. Um, and uh, the better translation is gentle. And I tried to talk in the last service all about that. And it really is a, it's a great thing to read up on. All of, all of our modern translations come from kind of two flows of manuscripts. And uh, the only variation here between the word child and gentle is one little letter. And somewhere along the way, one of the scribes who copied this scriptures out by hand before the 1500s 
copied it out and put an extra letter on this word nepios. He took, he added an N to this Greek word. And so the word is actually gentle and all of the, most of the scriptures use it as gentle. So he says, we were gentle among you. Okay. Understand that when, when you go with the gospel and Paul says this in so many letters, he says, lead in love and gentleness, right? In your relationships with people, lead in gentleness, right? Because he says, that's how we rolled with you. So he says this, instead, we were, we were gentle among you. And we cared, uh, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Okay, so Paul uses this image, and he uses this in a couple places. In Galatians 4, he says the same thing. Paul says that, that he is like a mother in childbirth. In Galatians 4, can we put that up? He says that he is, it's like giving children. He's, he's, he's in that much... Um, He's in that much pain. Dear children, for whom I am, am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I'm going to ask this later, but let me ask you now. Um, do you have anybody, like if you really believe in Christ and you really know that you're going to spend eternity with him and you really know that there's tons of people here that don't get that, is there anybody in your life that you are in the pangs of childbirth over them coming to know Jesus? I mean, that's pretty intense, right? That's pretty intense. I don't know exactly about those pains, but Paul says, he's like the most pain that I can imagine. I'm in that pain for you to know Christ. Are you in that much pain for anybody? And that's what Paul says. I want you to be inspired to live like this, to take the gospel out gently and with love, but sincere devotion to them coming to know the goodness of God. For people to be free from themselves and free to know the joy of salvation and joy of relationship with God. So he says this, he says um, that he is like a mother who cares for her child, nursing her child and raising him up. Now, I was thinking about talking about that for about 10 minutes, but instead of me trying to propose that to you, I thought we would have somebody who has actually born a child and nursed a child to share that with us. Does that make sense? All right, so welcome Crystal up. Crystal's gonna come on up. This is my wife, Crystal, if you don't know her. If you don't know her, you should get to know her. It's far better than getting to know me. Hey, love. So, um, yeah, so share with us. When, when Paul says that, um, you know, he hasn't obviously born children, so he doesn't know it inside of him. Uh, maybe he broke a femur, though. I heard that's close. And, uh, and so, um, so tell us, though. I mean, are you offended by the fact that he says that, or does that make sense when he says, I've got all of this desire for you to come to know God? What, how does that kind of sit with you? First of all, it just really challenges and inspires me because I knew what it take to actually birth four children, to grow four children inside of me, to take care of them, and for him to say that I love them, I cared for them like a mom, I nursed them. To me, it's inspiring and challenging, and he must have somehow had an understanding of how much that took for him to love that much because I know what it took for me mm. to be a mom. So it's actually um, challenging to me, really. And, and just talk about, like, so 
you, you have this baby growing in you and then shortly after that they're sucking the life out of you and all that kind of stuff, literally. Yes. And, um, and so, like, what are your expectations really of that child? Like when you bear them, do you, I mean, and how do you think that compares to this? So I, I believe all of us, some of us did. Um, even if you didn't bear your children, you adopted children, you waited for them. Even if you're a stepmom and you became a mom, uh, my situation is that I actually got to birth my children. Um, I am adopted, so I know what it takes. My mom loved me just as much. But for those of us, I think as children, we had these starry-eyed, you know, what it's going to be like to be a mom. And we put the pillow in our tummies and we dream about what it's going to be like and to carry that baby around. And, you know, it, when you actually fill those shoes as a pregnant woman, or as a nursing mom, as a mom raising toddlers, it's very, very different. You know, you are the one going through the tiredness. You are the one that your body is changing and will never change back to its normal shape. You are the one that's up late at night nursing and lack of sleep and all of those things that we go through as a mother. And you know that that child will never, ever as a newborn, sit up and say, thank you, thank you for all of this that you're doing for me. No, they just want more, they need more. Every minute of every day, they need you. And it's a fragile life, it's an opportunity. Your body is a vessel to give birth to new life. And I think Paul had such an understanding of it, what it was mm. to nurture these children, these young ones into this life that Christ wanted for them. You said that really well. Um, Thank you. I don't even know if it's good to talk about anything else that was so good. So tell me, here's what he said. Um, he said, we gave you not only the gospel, we gave you our lives too. Yes. And, um, and so uh, do you feel like, is that a natural thing? So like once you, like once you found out you were going to be a mom, um, do you, like immediately, do you know how to give your life away fully or is it a gradual thing or how does that work? Because some things change really. I don't know like if it's working as, yet. Yeah, when you became yeah. a mom. Um, again, as a child, you just have these dreams of being this mom and you're going to be the most amazing mom and give yourself and your time and what you're going to do. And, and then when you fill that role, you realize this is a lot of sacrifice. This is more than I ever thought hmm. it would be. Like hmm. the time it took, the sacrifice, hmm. the pain. You know, you start off with a baby, but then you go into your teen years and then that, it's just the ebb and flow of the seasons of life or you have stepchildren and all that that takes in to account for to be a mom to care for those children so I really think that it's a lot of mistakes right we grow from those mistakes every day you wake up and you say is today the day that I'm gonna have a teachable moment is today the day my children are just gonna like throw a tantrum and embarrass the heck out of me in Smith's or you know what what does today <laughs> hold and I think that as a parent you grow I don't you know we just don't have that download like you wish we had like a little like you know, put inside their download mother. And there's just not that we have the examples that are set before us. We have the examples of our moms, our grandmas, our aunts, those that are in our lives of what a mom should be. And I think that that's what Paul, he was modeling this beautiful sense of nurturing and love and care for these people that they would know how to love and model that to everyone else as we should be modeling that as we care for our children. I can't imagine we have such an incredible bond to our children, what that would look like to, to be nurturing um, from the very sense of them coming to know Christ until they can mm. fully be inspiring somebody else. Like we just, there's so much that is involved in raising our children, what that looks like to raise people 
to love and know Christ that way. It's, I don't think we just normally naturally know how to do it, but God calls us to love our children, right? They're gifts. They, it's an honor to raise them. It's an honor to take care of them. And he also gives that opportunity to reach out to others to love them and nurture them. Hmm. It's not a normal, natural thing, but I think the reward, but as you know, and progressive. it's learned and progressive if we put ourselves to it. Yeah. Right. And you have to be intentional, right? So all of us, if you have parents, or you have a niece, like, you know that kids pick up who you are, not just like what you say and not what the program is, right? And so, so they, he says, he says, we, we give our lives to you, right? And in the same way that a mom gives her life Absolutely. to her kids. You never, you never understand the full sacrifice of what a sleepless night is. You don't know until you go through those sleepless nights and um, walking around a zombie the next day and not be able to handle the toddlers because a newborn screamed all night. Or you don't know what it takes that now your, your living room that was so beautifully decorated is now a toy room. You know, you just, you, you were um, on a career path now you nurse your baby eight hours a day. That's your job. You are a dairy queen. Like, that's <laughs> who you are. And it's a joy and a privilege, but it is a sacrifice, and, and it's a joy. But I think that can also happen with those that you're loving, yeah. um, who God calls you to love. Um, one last thing. So he says, uh, he says, our toil and hardship, you know, we entered into toil and hardship so as not to be a burden for you. Right? He said, we did, and he was talking about the fact that they worked a second job and they, they did all that at night so that there would be no burden on them as a people, either financially or even just, even just believing-wise. Teachers typically, they came through and they demanded money and women usually, and they kinda, it was a good thing to be a teacher like that. And he said, that's not the way we rolled at all. And so he says, we didn't want to be a burden to you. Um, as, as a mom, what... Because moms seem to be, here's the thing, moms seem to me, just in my experience, to be better at this than, than guys are. Moms seem to, when they find out they're going to be a mom, they seem, to, they seem to switch modes almost instantly into this maternal, I'm, I'm going to be giving up part of my life for you and it's a joy. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, absolutely. I believe if, you know, you just already have this bond, this connection, you realize that it's such a gift to be able to take you know, have this ability to take care of another life. You're responsible for another life. And I wouldn't say it's immediate for every woman, but I would think, I think that you're right, that we just have this instant ability to care and nurture and to love cool. that child. Thank you. Appreciate it. Give her a hand. So, so Paul, um, <clears throat> Paul really continues with that. Uh, or, you know, he continues with that idea. He says, listen, we loved you like a mom. And the goal was not to be a burden to you. The goal was to, oh, thanks. Um, the goal was that you might know Christ and, and really not have burden from us, not have complication, not have questions about our motives and all that. And so he says, we gave ourselves completely to you. And again, who are you pouring into like that? Right? You should be pouring into your kids like that. That's the way God, you know, that's how our families work, right? You should be pouring into your family that way. Um, who else do you really spend yourself like that for? See, I think what Paul is saying here is, this is how we showed up in your midst, and this is how we brought the gospel. So be inspired to take the gospel in that way. See, if you, just quite frankly, if you only 
spend yourself that way for yourself, maybe for your little tribe, man, God has more for you. He wants to use you more in his kingdom. He wants you to know that there's freedom here. There's joy here. There's real freedom from pursuing your own praise and just living that way for yourself. He goes on uh, again in, in verse 10, and this is just what he says. He says, um, he says, you are a witness and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. He says, when we showed up, he said, we were, we were committed to Christ. We were walking in holiness and blameless and righteousness. And he just says, we were here for you. We weren't here pursuing our own pleasure. As we walk as believers out into relationship with people, just like Paul did, moved into a new city and, and he started talking about the gospel. As he did, he walked out in holiness. He said, I'm, I'm going to be selfless in the way I'm committed to God because my life goes on forever. It's, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's simple to know that the right thing to do is to engage fully here, to be holy and blameless, and to walk with the Spirit in that way. So the third thing is that if we're going to live this way, we're going to be inspired to inspire others. Okay, because that's exactly what Paul was saying. And he brings in this second picture of a dad. And he says this, in verse 11, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so he's speaking to the believers here and, and understand that if you're a Christian, if you say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, God does the same to you. He calls you into his kingdom and glory. And that isn't a static position. That isn't a place for you just to reside. That's a place for you to, to function and to thrive. He calls us to be part of his kingdom, of his kingdom work, of his kingdom spreading from person to person, that our city would be a place that's transformed one person at a time, right? Through your relationships and my relationships. And he says... That's our calling, to live lives worthy of God, being called into his kingdom and glory. So here's what he says. He says that a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging them, okay? Slightly different than a mom, and I think most of us would agree that moms and dads typically have different approaches to kids, and that's pretty stereotypical, but it kind of does. A dad's love is slightly different than a mom's love, and, and here's the first thing that he says. He says, dad's encourage. He said, when I was with you, I encouraged you. I encouraged you to keep going. Encourage means to give courage, right? Life is hard. You know that with your kids. Life is hard. You give them courage to go back to school, right? You give them courage to do their homework. You give them courage to care about more than just themselves. You give them courage for life. You know, as dads, I see this all the time in myself, and usually I see it right as it's about right here. It just comes out of my mouth, and it's about right there. Man, as dads, all too often, we think we encourage by discouraging what we don't like, right? You know what I'm saying? That's not the way to roll, so let me discourage that. And Paul says, encourage. Man, dads. And then us as, oh, I'm gonna, let me talk to dads first. Dads, man, would you and I become men that encourage, that see the right thing and point it out? And just cheer that and encourage that in our kids, in our, in our marriages, in our lives, with each other, to encourage the right thing. And so he says, encourage. But let me even go, what about us as a church? 
Um, what do we encourage, right? I think we're all pretty clear that, that people who know God have, have discouraged lots of things for a long time, right? And Paul says, encourage. As we interact with people that don't know the gospel yet, how do we fan into flame? Remember we talked about that a couple months ago? How do we encourage faith? How do we encourage trust in God? How do we encourage people to walk with God as they're still coming to know him rather than discouraging the stuff that keeps them away from him? Right? It's tough, right? Because when you look at someone and you can see they're trapped inside their own stuff, all you want to do is rip that stuff out of them, right? You see people, they're trapped inside their own mess and you just want to, you want to tear that stuff out. And he says, encourage Okay, when we were with you, we were like a father who encouraged. And we comforted when disappointment comes, when persecution comes. Read back in Acts 17, like I said, there was tons of persecution for the church there. When persecution comes, when trial comes, when sickness comes, comfort, all right? And, and urging. The last thing he says is urging, okay? And I want to talk about this, and I'm actually going to let Paul talk about this. If you go forward a couple chapters to chapter 5, uh, verse 11, he, he says this again, and he gets a little bit clearer about what it is to urge. And he says this in verse 11 of chapter 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Same thing. Build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Okay, and here's how he clarifies. Build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, okay, we urge you, warn those who are idle and disruptive. I, I love verse 14 here because there's different kinds of people and and each one of us is going to be in these different situations from time to time there's sometimes that we're going to be idle and disruptive and we need to be warned okay and then he's going to talk we're going to be disheartened we need to be encouraged we need to help the weak okay we need to be patient with everyone um a couple months ago i uh i had a friend here and i've been encouraging him for a while and I've been encouraging him and encouraging him. And we have a mutual friend. And that mutual friend came in and uh, he was just, he was newer to the relationship and met this guy. And he, within a time or two of getting to know him, he urged him. Uh, I had been encouraging for quite a while. And this other guy came in and he figured out right from the start that this guy was idle, right? In his, in his life, in, in his walk with Jesus, he was idle. And this other friend came in and he urged him. He said, bro, you can't walk this way, right? And for me, I'd been encouraging him the wrong way. Do you understand what Paul says? He says, we loved you like a dad. So we encouraged you when you were disheartened. We comforted you when you were hurting. We helped you when you were weak. And when you were disruptive or when you were idle, we warned you right? In love. Now, what, what, what's the important part of that? The important part is that people know that they're loved. If people know that they're loved, right, then when on occasion they need to be warned, they know they're loved, right? And they understand, wow, this comes out of love. And Paul says, if you want to walk together with people in a way that pushes the kingdom of God forward, Man, you need to inspire others to more, right? How many of you know that, that when you're disheartened, man, you need someone to encourage you. You need someone to love you. When you're weak and you can't do it yourself, 
you know you need someone to pick you up. When you're idle and you're maybe consumed in yourself a little bit, you need somebody to kick you in the butt. And you know that. And when it's done in love, that's exactly what Paul says. He said, this is the way to inspire others to walk with me. To inspire others to know Jesus. And he says, church, we want to be that kind of church. Let's not be a church that lives for our own praise. Let's not be a church that simply has relationships for our own means. Let's be a church that actually inspires others towards the gospel, inspires others to know each other and to walk more and more closely with Jesus in a way that transforms this city. All right, so what do you do with that? We got a couple minutes left. Um, and uh, I think the connections team, I don't see them back there, but they should be coming in pretty soon. Um, what do you do with that? We're going to go into a time of worship and the band is going to come on up. And uh, see, maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm that person who lives for my own pride, right? I'm that person who it's about, it's about me. Well, you know what? The scriptures say over and over that it's simple to say, God, would you forgive me? Just like he did when he showed me that picture that I still have in my office. God, it's not about me. You catch it, you see it in the face. Maybe you're seeing it in the face for the first time today that you live for yourself. And what to do with that is to repent. Say, God, would you forgive me? Would you help me not to live that way? Maybe you're a person um, who, who doesn't walk in gentleness with people. Maybe you have people around you that don't know Christ and you're not gentle with them at all. In fact, they think, you know, they think that the gospel is defined by your attitude towards them. And you need to repent of that. You say, God, forgive me. Would you give me gentleness and patience? We don't expect much of a nursing baby, right? We don't expect them to walk and talk. And, and people, just like Paul, when he came into Thessalonica, they need to know the gentle love of God, that God loves them, paid the price for their sin so that they could have a relationship with him. All right, so we're going to worship here and the Connections team, you guys are going to come on forward. We're going to take offering. This is time of service we take offering and if you're a guest here, by all means, uh, don't feel obliged to give. We give just out of our relationship with God, out of worship to Him and we love to see what's going on here. You're going to hear in a little bit about our youth ministry and we have just hundreds of children and students here every week that are hearing this same message that you heard. They're being inspired to live lives beyond themselves. You know, as teenagers, to be inspired to live a life beyond yourself, it's tough. You're just wrapped up in everything that's going on. And, and our youth ministry and our children's ministry are doing a fantastic job because you continue to give and provide for them. And so thank you for doing that. I'm going to pray. And, um, and then as we go into worship, my, my prayer for you is that you would actually say, God, what are you inspiring me to do? Who are you inspiring me to be like a mother to, to actually take the love of God to, even to my own cost. I would, I would love it if you would say, God, who is it? And that God would give you a name and that you would know this is who I'm supposed to love, no matter what, at my own cost. We're going to take the offering after we pray. And then after you've given the offering, you might want to stand and join us in worship. God, thank you that you've been so patient with us. Thank you. God, it blows us away that, that you are forgiving and full of grace over and over again. God, we, we thank you for speaking to us today. And I pray for each person here that's calling out to you that you would 
you would give them a person, that you would give them people that they know that they're supposed to impact and inspire the way Paul inspired, the way Paul brought the gospel in gentleness and love and patience that we would bring it in that way. Would you help us to be people not full of ourselves, but who work and serve for your kingdom? God, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.